So, welcome to another episode. My name is Ross. And I'm Craig. It's time to put the kettle on, because it's tea time. Right, in the news today. Loop. Do you remember Loop? We talked about it uh, two or three weeks ago now. Um, they are mm. the company that's going to be working with Tesco's in order to deliver zero waste products to our door. The idea is that they deliver it to you in a little box. You use it, and then when you've finished, you put the, the packaging back in the box, and then they take it away for you. Mm. Yeah the next time they deliver something so that we said that that was service was coming soon soon is now now today more specifically um so that's it's exciting um so i went straight on it uh and i fully complete the registration form and congratulations it's in my area whoop nice uh then i went to the shop and from there things got not quite as much fun i have to say so it's branded products only so you're talking about your your heinz your coca-cola uh you've got like men's products like nivea for men only because i'm a man and i don't know what the girls one's called um but they're all kind of you know branded products from what i can tell the price between the branded product in the Tesco, in actual Tesco's versus Loop is exactly the same, but you do have to pay this additional deposit on top of that, which is like, it could be, that could inflate the price by as much as like, I think in one case, you know, like could be 30%. As in, you know, gotta, if you buying something for four pounds, you might be adding an, another two pounds uh, for the packaging or for the deposit for the packaging. You get that two pound back when you hand the stuff back and that money can then get used towards your next order. So in theory, it's just money that's floating about for no obvious reason, as long as you don't throw it in the bin. Um, what's disappointing is that because they're only the branded products, like there are grocery elements, but they're all, when I go shopping, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm a cheapskate or something, but whenever I go shopping, I, you know, I'm, I'm not buying the highest end top brand products. I'm, you know, I quite often buy the Tesco products, but none of that, you can't get any of those stuff this way, which I find a little weird because they've done a deal with Loop who have then talked to, or one of them has then talked to their suppliers to get the packaging the way they want it. Well, why don't they make their own packaging for their own products and put those in the in this in the store? Or I guess maybe there's just not enough money in it for them to do that. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just a trial idea at the moment. Yeah. So, for example, taking Heinz beans. Uh, what does that come in? Like a white tin. Um, how is this? How is this reusable? It comes in a little bottle or something. Like a bottle, of, bottle of beans. The one I was looking at was ketchup, not beans. It was. It just looked like the same plastic-ish. They might have. They probably just tweaked the, the bottle slightly so it's all made of the same plastic or something. But I, I'm guessing they've done that to all the packaging. So either either it's exactly the same as it is the one in Tesco's, but it's just set up to work that way. Maybe the way that they're doing it is that because Loop does not have the other cheaper products, 
therefore if you want to use zero waste you have to use branded products maybe that's how they got the deal to work i don't know but um so it's kind of cool but at the same time it's there isn't enough products on there that i would actually mm. buy and therefore i feel sad about that yeah before you end this segment uh what's the benefits of loop again that you're using less resources for product things and ultimately buy the same item you want without any of the hassle well you you're just not relying on your local recycling to actually recycle that the item but they are they're refillable yeah like for example if i have a ketchup bottle i don't know whether they i, I hope that they I hope they refill it, but, but I think yeah. you, know, you can, with these actual products, you're just going to put the packaging, the empty container back into the box, whether they take it, then wash it and then reuse it, or whether they melt it down and make another one. I, I don't know, but. Yeah. I would assume they just reuse it because like a sauce bottle is for all sources, wherever. A squeegee sauce bottle. The same as exactly the way Tesco's do it. They have a generic sauce bottle. Um, every type of sauce is in there for like 30 pence hmm. so being being branded only is is a bit niche yeah but yeah. i can see it's, it's a start it's a start that's just um i wanted to use it i don't feel like i can because i just don't buy enough branded products so hmm. anyway so that's that um next up that was an interesting article i thought i'd mention it just because it kind of feels like it's a, a sustainability issue in a in, in the broader human population sense but the bbc um had an article uh, entitled jaw-dropping global crash in children being born jaw-dropping jaw-droppingly bad there's going to be a reduction in children all over the world um now it was framed like it was bad news I mean, that is, sorry, that, that framing is like, oh no, there's a crisis. There's not going to be enough children in the world. Um, and it had to actually outline specifically why they thought it was bad. Yeah. I was reading the first bit going, I don't get the problem. Sorry. I thought we wanted the population to go down. I thought we were over overpopulated. I thought we were using too many resources and struggling to feed everybody. So why would not having as many people be bad? Um, there, I have to read it again because I. They think it's because, basically, it will change the dynamic of the age proportions. So there'll be more older people than younger people, which will change the economy and who is contributing towards it. Because young people work hard for nothing, and old people don't do any work. Uh, resource-based economy, we have to chat about this at some point, but uh, <laughs> that sounds like it's going to break the economy in a good way. Well, see, right, so the fun, the, the big question you didn't ask, uh, which I was hoping you would, um, is why? <laughs> why? Why are we having a, a reduced population? So, do you want to have a guess as to why you think the uh, population has gone down for As we're all getting a bit richer, which mm -hmm. means we need, and healthcare is getting so good that we need to have less kids, 
because now one in three aren't going to die. So it's a choice, you're saying? Basically, the world get more stable, still. richer, better healthcare. That's my yeah. idea. Okay, so I think that's partly it, but they, they particularly mentioned um, women actually choosing to have careers over children now. That was it. Western world specifically. I mean, the population booms are typically in third world countries. So yeah. well, that's still happening. I guess as those areas are supposedly getting smaller um, and it's a bigger factor by the more developed countries. Um, but yeah, they're suggesting that they are choosing. Um, but I, if it's a choice, I think that would just adapt itself, would it not? Like it's, if it was like, I, I thought they're going to say something like, um, you know, um, fertility rates in male sperm was, was dropping due to, I don't know, lack of exercise or something. Um, but if it's just that, if it's just people are choosing to have it later, then that's part, probably because, you know, we're able to make that choice. But then the, it feels like society will adjust if if we're, if we're all working longer living longer healthier would won't we just choose to have maybe less um, same number of children but over mm -hmm. a longer period of time or just having children later or um yeah. with a whole also, also sorry yeah go on. i was gonna say surely the offset of not having more children in the economy would be offset by the fact that women are working more and they themselves are now more of an economy contributor for themselves. So they don't need to have kids because they themselves can go buy stuff that kids perhaps don't. So I don't know, it depends. It depends what you want as the economy, I suppose. People buying things, there's usually more money in the system to buy things. I think, I think, I think this article just wants cheap labor. I, I'm not quite sure. Anyway, so yeah. It kind of seems just against the old people. There's too many old people. Yeah. I mean, the, old people like, stop being so lazy. Stop just you're just sucking <laughs> out the economy. Stop it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I didn't. I was generally thinking that article was slightly. What's what's the source? Is it it was the BBC. Guardian. It was BBC. Ah, oh. BBC. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's that idea there? Don't know. But also, like this. Um, as we as we we just had the whole working from home change, um, I, I can still see that having an effect on how families work anyway. Because if we move towards more of this gig economy style anyway, and we're then it's become whereas at the moment it's for women it's still slightly, you know, grow up, get married, choose between career or kids, pick one. You can't have both. Whereas that was the old way of things. Hmm. That's it's not a choice anymore, and it it's really society will just adjust with maternity and and paternity, and will just handle the whole period of one's life when they have children better, and then it will figure itself out and we'll carry on as normal. Yeah, I mean, not to get into cold water here or hot water or whatever, and say the wrong words. Water of any kind. Yeah, but I would say today is you know it's a lot more um yeah a lot more quality in the sense of how child rearing ends up so especially in developed countries where this study seems to be focused where 
I mean, if you're a woman, you can have kids out of a career now and the kids could stay home with a stay-at-home dad, for example. You know, that's a bit more uh, of a thing that happens now, which is good. So yeah. I can only see that trend increasing, which means the economy shouldn't change. Exactly. I, I think it, we might be slightly out of balance now, but I think the balance would just... I mean, the world has spent a hell of a lot of money fighting the pandemic. So, like, right now, weird time for this type of stuff to come up. Yeah. Okay. That's what the BBC's worrying about right now. Um, hmm. Next one. Floating wind. Which is two words on its own. Which are, doesn't sound very nice. But um, basically, offshore wind offshore wind farms and the fact that they can now be further offshore because they can just float so they're they're working on this technology to the point where um you'll be have more wind farms in windier places i guess because you'll put them anywhere um but that's a, that's a thing they're putting, throwing lots of money at at the moment um okay so can you spot one problem that you've got? So now, rather than putting it offshore, you're now going to put it uh, 200 miles out to sea. Mm. What problem have we got now? Um, I can think of several. I mean, now it's kind of a hazard, perhaps, of ships, but also, <laughs> like... Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> like, Who put that there? <laughs> Getting this, uh, getting this back and forth is going to require a lot of cable, I imagine. Yes, yes. So a lot, a lot of cable. Yes. So I mean, like, so we were talking the other day about hydrogen and how it's useful for when you um, have an abundance of it, and then you can, as in, more than you actually need, and then you can convert it into, uh, sorry, um, wind energy or solar energy, and you can convert that into hydrogen because then you can store it so it makes sense to me that um you could you know have a in the middle of the ocean wind farm attach it to an electrolysis machine because yeah do whatever you like it we don't mind um and then and then have a autonomous boat that ferries the hydrogen back once a week but it's a crazy world where that that all that structure together, an, an offshore wind farm, sorry, a deep sea wind farm, mm. an electrolysis machine, and an autonomous boat, still seems easier to me than trying to lay a massive cable. What sort of crazy person do that? Good segue. Uh, yeah. uh, Lincolnshire. I, I may have knew about one of the articles <laughs> you read about. It seems the crazy people who do this right now and um, building the world's longest subsea power cable is um, the UK, oh. as in the nas national grid of the UK, and Denmark. So we're basically building a massive uh, 475 mile cable between the UK and Lincolnshire and Denmark. Beautiful. And <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be the world's biggest uh, underwater cable. Just oh. right, right across the sea there. <laughs> oh, it's not working. Damn it. <laughs> I wonder which bit's broken. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the idea is to build this by 20, uh, 23 as well. So it's, it's pretty quick. 
So that kind of sounds to me like laying underwater cable is fairly efficient, however weird. Well, and I mean, maybe it's just as simple as just, you know, put a boat along and drop it on the way on the way out. I mean, it might be that simple. I would imagine it isn't. But it will ravel up like a slinky, just kind of just stretch it across and just tie it to Denmark. <laughs> just don't put it too tight, otherwise you'll uh, trip, trip a fish over. Look, it stops halfway as well, like the UK side goes, come on, Denmark, your turn. <laughs> Ta-da. Middle. We're a race. Yeah. Yeah, so by 2023, we'll have a high-voltage uh, underwater cable between Lincolnshire and, um, and Norway. And, yeah, so the, the oh, Denmark, sorry, not Norway. And the entire point is it'll be transporting the idea of our unused renewable energy, which the UK seems to have a lot of right now. And so do Denmark. We both have a lot. And this cable will power roughly... 1.5 million houses on either side of the cable. On either side of the cable. But they're yes. producing their own stuff as well, right? Yes. We both are. So if we're both producing lots of stuff, why do we need to transfer it to each other? Um, the idea is to share it. So when we have too much, we give it to Denmark. When they have too much, they give it to us. It's just a way of... Uh, well, Coming together, saving the environment. Move, they? Oh, oh, okay. Can I borrow some from you? Cheers. Oh, another one's coming. Oh, it's just terrible. <laughs> yeah. I, I suppose so, yeah. And yeah, I mean, given this between Lincolnshire and Denmark, what's the cable called? Can you guess? Because I, I know you've watched this TV program. So it's between UK and Denmark. Yeah. And it's a cable. That's all. Is that all I've got to go on here? <laughs> okay, I'm going to call it the, ready, the UK Denmark cable. <laughs> or the UK mark. The UK markable. I don't know. Uh, close. Know. Close. I thought you would have gone with, uh, when I said the TV series you've watched. Yeah. I just, uh, that's remember. where the Vikings landed. Oh, so it's yes. called the Viking link. The Viking link, yes. Okay. So, yeah. So, Denmark is no longer raiding us. And then we're like raping pillars that comes with it. Now, they're going to share they're with us. The, they're raiding electrons now. And not... We're not raiding as such. We're sharing it. We're going to get some back to. Yeah. And they're, they're raiding it from us. And then, well, then we raid it from them. So, yes. a, bit, a bit like Vikings, except now it's two-way. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a cool thing we'll be doing, and very quickly too. So construction's already begun. So 2023. All right. Cool. So it takes three years to lay a cable then? I would assume it's already been built. I was literally putting it on the floor. I have no idea. I don't know how to see cables. Couldn't they have just like, couldn't they just, you know, like they have these ferries that go like chain ferries. Can we just? Oh, yeah. Can we just do that and actually have it so that it's a ferry as well? Just give us another way of getting to Denmark on, a, on an electrical powered ferry. It's based off the excess of the cable that's not needed. No? You know, I also don't know how big this cable is. Um, it's really? Well, I mean, I assume, I assume it's not just like a normal cable plugged into either power socket either end. 
I assume there's going to be some sort of beef there. It's going to be like this one, look. Just going just gonna to wrap it round. Look. You get it? Job done. <laughs> well, that big. A, a yeah. quarter the size of uh, Australia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the width of Ireland. Um, yeah, so did, do you have any more news? Uh, no, I don't. Don't. I'm newsless. Cool. Uh, well, you mentioned about hydrogen too, that we did talk about hydrogen last time. And uh, actually, I think it was the day after our last talk, uh, Europe has announced this whole idea of using hydrogen to slow climate change. Have you heard about this? No. Um, so it's something that a lot of places have been trying to do. Um, the reason being that hydrogen is the world where the universe is most common element. Yeah. So the more we can use it, the better. Um, yeah. It's, every, it's everywhere, so we may as well just use it. Yes. Uh, yeah, so this happened on the 8th of July. They kind of signed in the idea of trying to use it to slow climate change by recycling hydrogen and building plants to use the hydrogen in order to generate electricity. So they're hoping to start powering a certain percentage of Europe this way. And they have no idea if it will work. So they're starting to find out. Okay. I don't really know much more about it right now, but I assume more details will come when they actually start building this thing. Yeah. But yeah, we, we touched on hydrogen power plants before and the efficiency of them. I've perhaps. been quite negative about hydrogen so far. But well, but that, that point you just made there about the fact that it is the most abundant hmm. element um, is, I think, perhaps at the very least reason to explore it more because we don't fully understand it yet. Maybe there are other things we can do with it. So it makes sense. From that perspective yeah and i suppose we collect the solar radiation that's coming from the sun in solar panels yet the sun itself uses hydrogen so this is kind of skip the whole song and dance and just use the hydrogen that could be the future all right give you that one i will be less negative but i'm still wary i'm still wary of the of the natural gas companies going oh, i know i'll just switch to hydrogen that way i can continue doing what i'm doing with little effort I mean, what's the negatives there? Hydrogen blows up just as much as natural gas. So, I mean, the safety concerns are moot. Don't know. Sounds like a good idea. Maybe we should pitch that. The concerns with that, mate, are <laughs> that those the people that run those companies haven't exactly done their best to um, make the world a better place. So, it might be time for them to move on. Wow. Obviously, times. the people that run them can't live forever, but... I mean, yeah, but different times. I mean, there are different things then. Like the whole oil industry is like what, 100 years old, maybe more. So I think if we can give the past, it's more of it. They still do it today. And are they doing it today? I mean, they're making a lot of effort now. They don't buy it. I'm not sure I do it. Well, you know, we've seen it before, that's what I'm saying. We've seen, you know, there's a whole VW diesel gate and the other gate that they did. There's those people, if it's the same, basically, if it's the same person in charge, no, I don't believe it. Well, talking about uh, yeah, diesel gates, it is actually Germany who's uh, test running this initiative first. So let's hope they uh, you know, are truthful with their results and it works. But anyway, we look back in, in the future. Um, in other news, something a bit more up your street, 
is a new electric vehicle by Nissan, which is coming after the very successful Leaf that you have. I do. I have the I have the first version Leaf, not the newer Leaf. The collector's edition. I have the um, no, the more of the <laughs> more of the guinea pig edition. <laughs> um, so I think you said it before. So one of the main advantages, well, actually, there's like three advantages. But I'll give you the first one first of the new Aria. So the Nissan oh. Aria. Okay. A Aria. Yeah, Aria. Um, one of them is they've changed the charge connector. So your leaf is, um, what's it called? Chernobyl? Yeah. Yes. They've been that. To CCS, I guess. Yes. Is that a good thing? It's, it seems to be the standard one, yeah. So, yes, I would say it's a good thing. Cool. Yeah, so I was looking into these charging connectors. Yeah, so Shadowmore, in the UK, 50-50. Shadowmore to CCS, they're very much 50-50. There's not really a winner. Every charger I go to has both. Exactly, yeah. I think that was, that was the stat set in the UK, too. Uh, US, different story. It's slightly more chargeable. Uh, so that's, but that's getting phased out because there's mass building of CCS which does seem to be the standard. Uh, I don't really know much about electric cars, because I don't have one, but I see, I would see a CCS as a USB-C adapter. All right, yeah, give me that. Yeah, and charge more would be, I don't know, Apple's lightning adapter, very proprietary. Works for okay. X. Yeah, all right. Yeah, CCS yeah. also smaller, easier. Not necessarily faster. It does the same deal. Well, but I mean, it's just even just smaller. Even Tesla have, I think they have either an adapter or they have two. I can't. Remember, I don't have a Tesla, so I can't tell you. But um, but yeah, I think they have a CCS able or an adapter for it to go with it because theirs was proprietary. So theirs was more the Apple one because uh, they had superchargers, and um, I don't think they were quite compatible with CCS. But I think they've now changed that. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah. So, add picture here for the YouTube audience. Unfortunately, podcasters can't see it, but check a picture up of this because it looks quite cool and it's an SUV. So they're going down the whole idea of Model Y. Um, they've obviously seen that's going to be massively popular. Yeah. And so, yeah, the Nissan Aria SUV uses CCS and has a 300 mile range. Cool. Sounds like a great addition to the electric car sort of industry. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Nissan have done, in fairness, and they've done very well. Um, and they've not, they've done, and I don't know what they do internationally, but um, when I was getting my car, they had the, the scrappage scheme existed. And mm. they were the only ones who were even willing to have it attached to their electric car. Now, at the time, not many other cars even had anything. I mean, I think there was like the the, the Bolt or whatever. There was, there was a very, there's only like there's a handful of cars, but even the ones that offered an electric car of some variety didn't allow you to use a scrappage scheme designed to get rid of old petrol cars to buy an electric one. Nissan was the only one that did, which is why I ended up buying Nissan because I didn't actually set out to do that. But um, That's cool. So, yeah, I mean, I think they've some news has come up recently which suggests that they're, we're, we're going to get move away from um, 
electric cars, which was disappointing. So not sure how that fits in with this, but but whatever. It's a, if it's an SUV, uh, that's what people want. Uh, if the range is three, near 300 miles, then that's great. Um, obviously, I'm driving around color has a third of that, um, so even less. Um, so yeah, there are genuine practicality issues from my car, but a 300 mile one, mm. my world as it is now, if I could ever add a 300 mile one, so many journeys would just be, would have not have to charge. I would, I would charging would literally just be wake up in the morning and then, and then leave. And then that would be all I would, I didn't go, I'd very rarely use a public charger if I had a 300 mile car. Yeah. Not in the UK. Yeah. I mean, 300 miles would be from you to Scotland. I was going to. You'd get pretty much the time. Yeah, I mean, my my family's from um, Devon, which is about a hundred miles away from here, so um, slightly less, I think. Um, so yeah, even that trip, which I would consider to be probably the, one of the longer trips that I would do, two or two and a bit hours in the car, um, uh, yeah, would be no problem in a three hundred mile car. Yeah, fantastic. So obviously, there's no prices on this yet, but let's say a price did come out that was cheaper than a Model Y, would you consider it? Oh, are um, you still hundred percent gonna get a Tesla? Well, yeah, no, sorry, sorry, Nissan. Um, <laughs> there's just no way I would get anything else. I've been to, the technology on a Tesla is so so more advanced. I just wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't consider anything else. But um, I mean, yeah, the only thing that Nissan has is comparable would be the mileage. So the Model Y also has about three hundred miles, ish. Depends uh, on the spec, the spec you get. I can't remember exactly, but I, I mean, even the Model Y, they, so they've just they've just reduced the price on the Model Y as well. They have. Just to make life more difficult for everybody else. Um, supposedly they come up with, a, in Germany, they're now starting to build, um, it's how they build a frame of the car. They Apparently they've come up with some other new way of reducing the number of parts. Uh, even the last or the current version of the Model Y is like reduced the the back of it reduced to be like I don't know fifty pieces or something down to two, and then I I think they may have done something similar again, and they're basically passing those savings back to the consumer. Um, and I think there's also some threshold they were trying to get under as well. So uh, yes, well got the world of coming up with SUVs that compete with the Model Ys just got a little bit harder, but um. Good to see other people doing it. When is it coming out? Uh, it doesn't say, but it was announced today. So what was announced? That it was coming soon. That was a thing, yes. Oh. But this this is a thing. So I don't know. Next year, I have no idea. So well, it's always 2021. 2021. Everything's 2021. This entire year has been delayed. But like, I mean, how many how many more revisions have would the Tesla have done the Model Y by then? How, many, how much more miles could it have done by then? They're just, they, need to, they need to crack on with it. They need to sort themselves out. Too I slow. think that's, that's Tesla's biggest um, advantage, that they can move fast. They're small. They're innovative. They can just kick stuff out. Whereas, I mean, it'll take Ford, four to five years just to update the firmware on the actual computer inside the car, which can be done daily on Tesla. Yeah. I mean, that type of stuff just can't be, can't be caught up. Yeah, which is but, why uh, you're in the market for buying a car, even if you want a, an SUV and that you can't get a Model Y, well, make a slight compromise and get a, a, a Model 3 instead, a smaller one, you, you'd still appreciate it more than getting than getting a Nissan SUV or anyone else. 
Well, on, on more car news, and before we start, sorry, Top Gear. Sorry. Um, there is, um, uh, as we talked about last week, we talked about the British Gas and their new electric vans. Uh, so another UK industry is the Royal Mail, and they've also got electric vans. Have they now? Technically hybrid vans, but they call them electric vans because that's primarily what they're going to use. I think they've kind of got, um, yeah, I think they've probably done as a 1.5 litre petrol engine as backup, just in case. Because right. delivering new mail is important. And it's also a legal responsibility, so fair enough. Yeah, and realistically, they probably could do most of their trips on electric. And then yeah. if they have to go back to that, I don't know, depot somewhere up north to be serviced or something. But yeah, yeah, I assume just, just swap the van as it charges, like like you see those little things in supermarkets where you just take those little hand things, the rest are all charging, and they get swapped out. Um, yeah, so their test running in Birmingham last week. And yeah, hopefully we'll get results on how that goes. But I can't see why that would ever go wrong. That's just going to be a win-win all around. Do you know what's a big thing at the moment with, um, in terms of another, shall we say, um, government department that mm. is benefiting from having electric cars? Uh, and this, transport? No. That's not, that's not transport. No, uh, uh, like, like British Gas, like Royal Mail, or more like Royal Mail, um, a government-run thing that could do with swapping their cars over to electric cars and then they're doing it all over the world. It's becoming a bit of a thing. The police. Thing. It's the police. Oh, of course, yeah. Police departments are all swapping over to electric cars because well obviously reduces their a lot of their costs that a lot of the police cars are sat idle for a lot of the time mm. um and obviously electric car and idle is, is not doing anything <laughs> in fact in america there's a because it's in hotter parts of the country um there are there's been fires and stuff caused by uh police cars sat idle on the side of the road really very dry <laughs> sort of grass or whatever and it's actually caught fire because it's been sat there for so long um, and caused all sorts of problems. So, um, but yeah, obviously electric cars don't, don't do that. Um, uh, and the acceleration on them is, is ridiculous. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, if, you, if you listen to this and you have anything to do with the police department, suggest electric cars. I think they would benefit and save themselves a lot of money. Um... I imagine so, yeah. Um, so talking about a lot of money, how much would it take, do you think, to buy the entire police force a suite of Teslas? How, how many cars do you reckon it's going to be? I don't know. I mean, let's just, just quickly do the math. So let's say there's... How much is a Tesla? Do you want... If you go for the Model 3, then you're looking about, yeah, 35? Okay, so... Uh, that's right. Maybe up, into, maybe up into forty, just to make it so you can have the performance models and stuff. Yes. Okay. 
not sure if I'm massive, right? But that sounds-ish, but right. Um, so talking about money, um, the UK is currently banning Hawaii. And the reason being that Chinese spies, because Chinese spies, uh, the US has done the same. Uh, I think we considered banning to the UK maybe six months ago uh, when Gavin Williamson was the defense secretary. Uh, I think he may have approved it or something similar, but that didn't get banned then. Uh, it's getting banned now when it's sort of half installed. Uh, Hawaii and the UK are the network. Um, but the big pain point, this is costing the UK 2.5 billion. So let's quickly just math that down. Uh, we could buy 2.5 million Teslas for the police force instead. So that sounds like an awful waste sorry, of money. Instead of banning Huawei, what are they called? You say, well, you say it sounds like Hawaii. So you just, but, um, is it the country? Huawei, Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, whatever they call it. That, that Chinese thing we can't talk about. Why? Whatever it's called. Yeah, but then, so banning them is going to cost that much money. 2.5 billion. Because they have to replace all the bits. Yes. By 2027. How does it cost that much? I don't know. To replace... Stupid things cost a lot of money. Mm. But it's going to put us back two to three years in the 5G network. So that's not going to come anytime soon. Um, all networks have been told by 2027. They have to replace all Hawaii, Huey parts, whatever. Um... <laughs> I'm just going um, in post edit. I'm just gonna have to blank you out. I just shove the the logo over your head. Just put a country there. Just Hawaii. Hello, yeah, Hawaii. Choose one of them's banned. You decide. Yeah, I mean, who are we? 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 Who are we, who are we exactly. to judge? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, two point five billion. Yeah. Ah, uh, that and that's yeah. I mean, probably quite crap maths because I think I might have gone wrong one of zeros in 2.5 billion. But uh, that's about either, either two and a half million or 25 million Teslas. Either one of those numbers, I imagine, is more than enough for the UK's police force. Honestly, are you not pricing a car 100,000 by doing that? Um, I went for the performance edition one. That's the good 100K one, isn't it? No, that's a Model S. Isn't it the, the, the really meaty fast ones you want? That's the, the, that's the, that's the plaid. You the don't need that one. You don't need that one, mate. That's a I'm bit. I'm just saying, you get 2.5 million of them. Well, all right, fair enough. Yeah, if you <laughs> yes, that would be cool. Yeah, that, yeah. no one's catching you then. Oh, then you're not getting away from the police with that thing. I mean, you can just, you know, the police can take probably five to five or six of them home, just leave them on the drive. That's going to be enough. I now want to know. Uh, and I was thinking the Model 3. I just want to check how much that thing costs. Yeah, I'm thinking about 30. It's The performance one is 56,000. Ah, so 5 million of them. Bargain. Cracking. So that's what we could do. You got that's what we ha and that's what we haven't done. Uh, yeah, but... I mean, they must have done it for a reason, right? They're... I mean, I don't, it's not getting to the politics of China and stuff, but presumably they've done that for a reason. Uh, I'm sure they have. But it's, it's political reasons. You know, we could better spend the money, arguably. I mean, maybe, just, maybe just, cancel, just cancel 5G. We, 
We don't really need that. Maybe it's um, it's, <laughs> I'm totally speculating now. <laughs> it's just making stuff up, but um, you know, maybe it was some sort of uh, part of the, the negotiations with the US for some sort of trade deal. Go, look, we're not going to take your crappy chicken. However, if you want us to ban Huawei, we will. In which case, you know, it might be two point five billion spent to make another ten billion somewhere. Who knows? As a trade deal. We can only speculate on that one. Which yeah. We like that's, to that's stick with the facts we do, that we know. Yeah, and they're, they're quite loose facts. Um, well, I suppose that's what it's like being in the UK. Like last week, I was going to give praise to the UK on buying 500 million of the um, the space satellite company guys. Yeah, OneWeb. That's the ones, yeah. And then we're just chucking out 2.5 billion to fix this problem we should have probably fixed last year. We should have been sitting in the first place. But they were debating it quite a while ago. So, but then equally, how are they coming up with this cost anyway? Are they going, oh, well, I think there's about, mm, I think there's about 25 million chips. So maybe it'll take, I don't know, an hour for each one. <laughs> I mean, how are, they, how are they coming up with these numbers? But no, because if it was if it was two point five billion pounds, I'm sure I'd possibly come up with a cheaper way of replacing them. Yeah, uh, five hours ago, China China's lashing out quite nasty with this because uh, it's groundless according to the US, uh, China. Um, yeah, I mean, while while I actually look up the amount of money and see if it actually says why, uh, do you care about five G? Is that a thing that you? Waiting for? Well, I don't know because it's like I, I I think it's something that could be could be very cool in certain environments, but generally I'm more interested in. Uh, access everywhere at a reasonable level as opposed to having a huge amount of bandwidth in any one particular place i mean it does make it does open up some cool things that you can do in city centers and stuff hmm. um which you know would would but that that feels more of a luxury than um i don't feel like we've got the necessity part done yet i i still go through where i live many many pockets of places where I have no signal at all. Um, I've been at <laughs> electric chargers in places where there's no mobile signal, no data. So like if you have any problem at all, you can't even call the company who runs the charger to say there's a problem. So it's, it's, it's <laughs> fundamentally broken. So I, I, so stuff like OneWeb and Starlink for me yeah. is a bigger deal because that would solve that problem. We can, bigger than 5G. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it feels like 5G is going to be a marketing ploy for a while. Do you know what I mean? It's going to be all that. It's going to be cool, but it's going to be totally pointless <laughs> and not necessarily I mean, sustainable. Yeah, it's going to be the same as 4G. Like most places, you can't get 4G either, so not get 5G. Mm. And like, and 4G is ridiculous speeds for what you need. Uh, 5G is even better. But again, not needed, really. 
arguably. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that once you've once you've got the benefits of five G, you're then going to just the same as the internet, and then going to wonder how how you managed without it. But yeah, I think in, in terms of priority, I'd I'd rather there was full coverage than having pockets of lots of coverage. Yes, but um, yeah, looking at actual costs, um, it's it's because they require operators to remove who we, who I, whatever equipment by twenty twenty seven. Uh, that's going to cost hundreds of millions just to third parties um, because it delays the roll-up by two to three years. That again will cost um, a further billion or so, up to two billion, it says, of just that delay. So, yeah. so lots of money. Mm. I still think it's probably gone right. This number of devices, this number of engineers, roughly an average. I, I, you know, it may not be. Um, well, we don't know. We don't know. Nope. And large numbers. No idea when they where they've come from. No, just a number that just pulled up from somewhere. But yeah, too much money to spend on this thing. Uh, my final piece of news, which is pretty good news, uh, is good. Scotland's first commercial vertical farm. Oh, your so, vertical farm. Yes. There's a bit of a throwback to a few episodes ago where we talked about vertical farming. We did. And Scotland's going to get one. Which is nice because Scotland kind of feels like a place where you want that. Yeah, it's not exactly oh, the really? most. Yeah, it's not the most hospitable place, but uh, I mean, especially where it's in Aberdeen, which is probably not too great. Uh, I don't know why. Sorry, we have to be very careful here. Aberdeen is not great. Why? Uh, I don't know. Um, maybe my Scottish geography has been messed up, but is is Aberdeen north? Well, Northeast. it's in Scotland. <laughs> so from my perspective, yeah, it's north. <laughs> yeah, it's north of us. Yeah, sorry, Scotland. Either way, what's your point, though? Whether it's north of Scotland or whether it's Scotland, which is very north, what? what? Yeah, it's northeast. I thought so. Right. So basically, right. obviously, the, the, no, the more northern you get, the less, less like, stuff. Like, right. there's pretty much no sun up there, is there? Right, so like this is this is where people live in caves and stuff. <laughs> right, so they they've advertised Cork Farm because otherwise they would just not have any food because nothing grows there because it's barren. Because they <laughs> basically live in the northern circle, Arctic circle, whatever you call it. Well, it's and not quite the Arctic circle. People but are starving is... and eating each other because that's what it's like in Scotland. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, just, just looking at the map of Scotland, Aberdeen is on the far right elbow where there's like no other city until you either get to Dundee or Inverness. Inverness. Uh, so Aberdeen's kind of out there on its own. Yeah. Probably a lovely place, but uh, could do with a bit of a farm. Well, it's got one apparently. News just in. Just got one. It does. Um, this deal has been signed by Vertigro. It's been signed by a group called the Intelligent Growth Solutions, and they're going to build the first one uh, soon, basically. I didn't see a date, but um, yeah, it's about 1,600 square meter service area, three, um, four nine-meter-high towers. Um, they don't really say what they're going to make there, but I assume they have everything. But as, as a farm goes, don't matter. You can switch and change whenever you want. 
that is to produce up to 70 tons per annum of food. Well, good. Well done then. That sounds great. Um, yeah, so that's happening. Uh, it's the first commercial one. So like to see some more of that. I mean, Wales could do one some too, because we get the same problem in Scotland. There's, there's parts of Wales that's completely rural and just rains all the time. So there's no sun. No. I imagine that's, that's what Aberdeen is like, to be honest. I've, I've never been there, but that's, that's just my thought. If anyone's from Aberdeen, please correct. Weird segue. Uh, I did look into um, whether anyone had actually worked out a decent way of generating electricity from rain. Oh, really? Wasn't was uh, thin pickings, to be honest. So, but uh, someone in Wales should probably fit invent that one because <laughs> it's it feels like a waste. All these little droplets of water flying out of the sky and landed on some surface, and the what we've got so far is a, a bit rubbish. But if you're interested in looking into it, it's a uh, piezoelectric. It's called. Oh, really? It's turning uh, vibrations, basically, into um, electricity. Mm. So um, planes do that to some degree, except they don't turn it into electricity. They they turn vibrations into heat. Uh, this is how they sort of dampen down the turbulence. But it's it oh. it's sort of taking the same idea of dealing with the vibrations and then converting it into electricity instead. Um, so yeah, people have made like little plates where the water pit paddles on top of the thing and then it generates a current, but it's, uh, it's pretty pathetic to be honest. I can say how much rain do you need to in order to make a benefit versus letting that rain go into a reservoir and using hydro. Exactly. Hydro is currently much better, yeah. but just seems okay well once water that's yeah okay it's, it's rain it's collected um but it does it feels like you should be able to um okay like so uh, if you've ever been out in the rain hmm. that's something you do greg um and if you ever sometimes there's certain materials or you might have something in your garden which makes a really loud noise when it rains it's like hmm. a really loud sort of you know smacking sort of pattering sound um theoretically that's the sort of material that is gonna could generate the most electricity because that it's turning that that energy into sound hmm. so some sort of adaption of that could turn the same energy into the kinetic energy into um not into sound but into or actually what well, sound is vibrations so yeah you can then if it hits, makes a sound, that sound can then be converted into electricity because that's how speakers work. Yeah, that's cool. Little side thing there. Um, and as for looking, I'd like to go to this vertical one. It's a bit too far away. Do you want to do that one? I did the Tesla factory, so do you want to? Do you want to go to Scotland to do the vertical farm? Mm, let's let's think about that. Answer. Well, there. All right, fair enough. Okay, right. Well, that that take a bit. I take it that brings us on to today's topic of the day. It does, and I know nothing about this, so I'm, I'm going to be enlightened. Well, let's hope so. Um, so I want to, because I've been 
as I do, scouring the internet for certain things all the time. Um, it's a company I've come across, or I'm not sure if it's even a company. I think it's more of a movement than it's a company. It's a community, but it's global. Um, and they are called, and you may have heard of them before, Precious Plastic. Now, hmm. I'll give you the little sort of history of it. Um, because what they do is, is amazing. Um, and to be honest, uh, the uptake in the UK compared to a lot of Europe is a bit disappointing. So um, I thought maybe, because we have such a large audience, maybe we could start something here today. Because today we've got our Think Educate Act. I feel like today's more of a act sort of topic. Okay. Okay, so Precious Plastics is the brainchild of a guy called Dave Hackins. Uh, in 2012, he was studying at the Design Academy in Eindhoven, and he recognized the need for plastic to be recycled. And so he began to create a method to do that. And in his graduation year, a year later, he released version one of his recycling machines. Over the next few years, the word got out. Other people started to replicate his machines. And a small team was built, and by 2016, Precious Plastics version 2 was launched to the world. Have you actually heard of Precious Plastics at all? Has that ever? I haven't. No, see, UK sucks. Um, right. So this generated more interest. More people started to um, get involved. And then there was a whole group of them, about 40, I think, that traveled to Eindhoven to be part of a volunteer group. Um, local companies were offering free food to them. Um, they got a free workspace. They raised some money. All the volunteers turned vegan to ensure that the, um, the budget was stretched as, as, as well as possible. They lived together. They worked together in this big warehouse, basically. Um, they de developed some new techniques. They built websites. They improved the machines. And eventually, version three, which was like a shipping container, um, which could sort of do the full cycle, uh, was popping up all over the place. And Precious Plastics officially became global, although you've never heard of now it has its own what they call a universe which is consists of collection points to collect the plastics builders to make the machines workspaces to work the material into products they have online bazaars for people to buy those products and the local community groups to tackle the wider problem and to grow the network so i'm just going to give you a quick recap on the problem that they're trying to solve um, so as they put it, all of the plastic materials that our parents and grandparents have used in their lifetime are still here and they will continue to collect and pollute for another four centuries. Four centuries. It takes about 500 years for it to decompose, brand. So we now produce 300 million metric tons of new plastic every year. Worldwide. Yeah. So new, or otherwise known as virgin plastic, is made from fossil fuels, um, which we obviously know is not sustainable. So all the plastic waste that we've thrown in landfill needs to be recognized as a resource. And ultimately, we need to collect it up, reuse it, and then find ways to keep reusing it so that it doesn't end up back into landfill. And no burning does not count as a use. Hashtag stop burning stuff. Um, 
So, do you know anything about plastic? Um, not a massive deal. I obviously know there's different types, different types that can and can't be recycled. Yeah. What do precious plastics take? They take everything. Could you give any plastic? Not everything. So there are two fundamentally different plastics. Uh, okay. the, what they refer to, well, how they, the way they describe it to help you understand it is um, there's bread and butter. Bread and butter plastic. You've got your bread plastic. Okay. Your bread plastic, you, you create it, you, you, you mold it into a shape, a loaf shape, um, and then it stays in that shape forever. If you try and reheat it, it will just burn the loaf. You'll just burn the bread. That's your bread ones. Those are you that you can't, they're pretty much useless. You can't reuse those ones. Um, you've got your butter ones, which are the ones that if you if you have butter and then you heat it up, it melts, you can make a new shape, and then it will cool, and then it'll that'll be go back to the plastic you had before, but in a different shape. Hmm. That makes sense. So the the bread plastics only take up 20% or, or account for about 20% of all the plastics that we have. So the majority is the butter stuff, which is therefore 80% uh, and is the more typical stuff that we recognize that we can recycle like plastic bottles, lids and oh. buckets and things. Okay. Okay. Um, side note. Uh, which you know because we've got to explain the good and the bad um one use for the bread plastic which we can't reuse has been i don't know if it that technology has been improved but it certainly has been in the past used for wind turbine <laughs> blades oh really mm. so if those ever become useless crack whatever chances are they will end up on landfill. Mm. So hopefully someone's working on that one. And they're massive. They are pretty big, yeah. Um, right, so of the remaining plastics, there are something like seven different types. If you ever, if you ever looked at your plastic bottles, I should have one with me as an example, really. Do I have one? They've got numbers on them, yeah. Yeah, they've got the numbers on them. Yeah, so that uh, if you go to, I won't go through all of them because it's probably not that interesting to everyone. But um, uh, each one has different properties. You know, some of them are um, some of them cope well with thermal degradation. Some of them don't. Some of them are better at UV are protected or or not. Um, some are brittle. Some when they get cold, they yeah they they snap or whatever. So um, some are spongy, um, and so depending on what you might want to use it for you basically have to look through the list and now again not all of them can be recycled some of them are just so they are a bit like the bread ones in that they just burn really easily that they're just not very usable so um but what's cool is that they're basically they've created this whole ecosystem thing around it they have an academy uh, and it will basically teach you all about different plastics, different types, properties, how to identify which one's which. Um, and then you can create like a, uh, a system where you collect the plastic that you want and then 
so that's like a, that's a thing in its own right it's a, it's a it's a collection point you can create them up in your local school or your some other local business that um has lots of footfall perhaps um so you set that up and then you create a workspace and in those in that workspace you can you can buy the machine so they so precious plastics makes these versions version one version two renowned version four um you can buy those machines in um set up a workspace have people come in and use those and maybe pay to use the machines they obviously source the plastic from the collection point so they buy the plastic from the collection point at some sort of reasonable rate um so then they get that and then people then make those products and then they have make a shop and basically you create your own plastic recycling plastic ecosystem uh and you can sort of they they've got instructions and and um tutorials and stuff about how to do all of those things i just think it's really cool because basically people are doing it they're, they're creating their own businesses they're creating their own ideas you know people aren't just be making bowls or plastic earrings or whatever but they're just coming up with cool stuff that they can use um you can even you can even make bricks with it plastic bricks which can be you know, generally used for certain types of um building uh you can make planks with it um so people have some of them made chairs and benches and things with it uh it's 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 really cool um so yeah i just wanted to yeah, share well, that that does sound pretty cool so um, when you say bricks I, i'm thinking like life-size lego is that is that a thing could you literally build a lego house in real life yeah i mean if you find somebody Giving you the brand, but so obviously it tends to be, at the moment it tends to be more more expensive. To buy a plastic, um, recycled plastic block over a version plastic block. There, other than creating these sort of ecosystems, there isn't really any way of making that better because at some point, hopefully, governments will start taxing virgin plastic because of the fact that it comes from fossil fuel. Yeah, I think I remember we touched on this in the recycling um, episode talking about the ideas of uh, you don't get back 100% in recycling anyway. So the fact it's also more expensive is uh, it's a double loss. Yeah. But I think that's something that will change. But um, if it all comes from that collection point. So if people are, if we can make that societal change where people are taking their plastic certain plastic waste to a certain place then at least you've got a method to fund if you like all these other companies that are making stuff with that plastic obviously the ideal is that we don't have the plastic in the first place but yeah it's kind of like a i don't think you know the precious plastic is there to sort of like go oh, look, what we have is a valuable resource and we we shouldn't be wasting it I don't think any part of them wants to say, actually, I want more plastic. <laughs> um, there's enough, there's enough being wasted as it is. So um, it's just about finding it, collecting it. Yeah. And then um, making small businesses out of it in, in our new world of having a gig economy and making stuff at home and stuff. Then I just think it's a, it's an interesting opportunity for lots of people. But um so I was looking at it for my for myself. It's like, okay, let's. If I was to come up with a, a product that I want to design, how would I do that? Um, 
and I've already found like there's some stumbling blocks and that purely just because the UK doesn't have enough. Um, we don't have enough. Like, so if you can, they've got a, a map uh, and it's got pins on it for the different types of the, the collection zones and the, and the workshops and stuff. And, the, and there just isn't many in the local area. So um, today I created my own pin to say like, <laughs> uh, if you want to do something in the area, get in touch. And then, um, this was me thinking about the act side of things. So um, again, if you're interested in this sort of stuff, go and find your nearest pin. It might Links be in the show notes. Yeah, it might be me. And if so, sorry, I haven't got very far yet, but um, depending on when you hear <laughs> this, um, but I've already had one person get in touch. Um, and that was oh. only today. So um, it seems like there are at least some people out there that are interested in doing it. It's just that, if you if you want to make something from plastic, if you're at the end of that chain and you want to make a product and then sell it, then obviously you need a collection point ahead of you and you need a workshop ahead of you. And so if you're coming into it from the end of the chain, then you're like, well, there's no infrastructure. I, I, I need the rest of the infrastructure for it to work. Um, but yeah, so theoretically, it could be even a way of, um, I'm thinking like schools and nurseries maybe, or Hmm. Um, I don't know if you can think of any other thing else that gets uh, post office. I don't know. It could be a way for places that have lots of natural footfall um, as a as a as a revenue stream, theoretically, because museums, libraries. What say? Libraries, yeah. Museums, libraries. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't see why it couldn't be really, because if they're willing to collect it, um, other people are willing to pay. Yeah has to be cheap in order for it to make it viable, but they're willing to, and all you have to do is put a bin out. Yeah. I think libraries would be the common one here. That would be the very big case, especially if libraries had 3d printers where they could melt this into reusable things almost immediately. They don't have to do, they don't have to do that part themselves. They can, they can just partner Mm -hmm. up with, if there's something that they need the, um, uh, 3D printers for, then obviously they can partner with, since they're like, you know, we'll supply you with this at this rate and then you supply us with that at that rate. That sounds good. So, yeah, that's my act of the week. I'm uh, looking to see what I can uh, help achieve on that front. I, I feel like there should be some sort of like label that kind of pops up. Act of the week. <laughs> act of the week. <laughs> act two. Um, Good deed. Uh, yeah, really cool that someone's reached out to you already. Um, in what context did they reach out? Are they someone who has resources or are they um, someone who wants, wants to do the, the workshop side? Or uh, So quite interestingly, very, uh, I'm coming at it from the, from the build end. I was, you know, I was thinking like, okay, I can probably think of some products to make. Um, he was actually more interested in setting up a community. Uh, and applying for grants and things for funding for for, for getting up a, that sort of getting people involved and he uh, he's got contacts in um, uh, recycling companies who have got more plastic than they can use um, so that sort of thing is ideal because I don't know anything about that at the moment um, so yeah I mean, hopefully I can find other people who um, I think the collection part's probably the easiest bit to set up um, obviously you need 
if you're gonna if you're gonna create a workshop, if you're gonna buy the 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 machine, so it costs about I think it costs anywhere of about four thousand um, to buy the machines and their starter kit to get you up and running, um, which includes something to shred the plastic, um, something to you can get an extruder um, or a uh, so the extruder is the one where it sort of melts it and then you can you can make a continuous thing so like a beam or uh, a brick or something that's continuous um is in the same shape all the way through um or you can get a thing which is like a press so you you put a mold at the bottom and then you get some plastic in and then you you pull it down like a jackpot lever in the casino yeah. and push it in and then a little thing comes out and you knock it out of the, out of the mold and that's the thing so like a key ring or something small like that yeah. Um, so you can get these machines, but obviously then you need people to are going to if you're going to spend that that money four thousand, where it is for machines plus um, something to you know because you need space, you need to rent space and all that sort of thing and other bits and bobs. I don't know coffee machine, um, whatever it is you need to set up your your community space. You then need to have people that know it's there and willing to use it. So you kind of need to have some of that community built up possibly before you start or at least the ability to reach those people and uh, that's what that person's idea perhaps is to get a community started get something going he seems to be more interested in that sort of thing yeah the community mm. side of it. so yeah, oh, yeah that might work be a, a good that might be a good partnership who knows that's some good keep us in details with that as well and uh yeah keep it up to date watch that pin does sound pretty good. I mean, obviously, people don't know where you live, so they don't really know where that pin is. But well, if they find you don't, want, you don't want to give your whole address, do you? No, not really. Well, I mean, you know, I I live in Yeovil in Somerset at the moment. So there's only one pin in Yeovil, and that's where Ross lives. There's there's like it's I think it's like a, some like a fifty mile radius of my pin. There's nothing. It's literally nothing. There's there's a pin in Bristol, and there's a yeah. pin in Portsmouth, and there's a pin somewhere slightly west of London, but there isn't much in the middle. Which Any is where Wales? Uh, I think there might be, there might have been one. There isn't, again, it's not, not many. Ah. Yeah. I mean, as, as I said, I've never heard of this. Um, I mean, I, the idea sounds good, as in reducing plastic waste, especially as we talked about it before with recycling. Uh, the councils aren't probably doing the best of job, especially as we package all up and sell to China or India. Yeah, well, I mean, but that's part of it, I guess, is is speaking to those those local councils. Well, actually, I've got someone who wants to use it. So, you know, mm. do you have a source of HDPE plastic, please, because I, I I need it. I mean, hypothetically, is it illegal? Um, like. But for me, Wednesday is recycling night. If I was to walk up and down my street on Wednesday night with a black bag, just collecting people's plastic out of their plastic recycling boxes, is that allowed? That's the reason why not. It might be weird, but that's fine, probably. I don't know. I, can't, I, can't probably... I mean, I think you get away with it for quite a while because I can't see anyone pulling in, but... <laughs> Well, there's a guy outside stealing my plastic. <laughs> yeah. Where, where, where's the plastic, sir? Oh, it's in my bin. Why are you calling us, sir? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, that kind of feels like every week 
I have, you know, within like a 10 minute walk, unlimited plastic supply. If I was doing this, I imagine you would too on your recycling night. Quite possibly. I mean, obviously if you want a particular type of plastic that now you're, cause you know, I'm guessing you put all the plastic in the same container yes. and you, you don't then separate which one's HDP, which one's LDP, which one's PP, which one's the different so type. Without looking at the numbers, how would you do that? I'm not sure. You can, well, I mean, you might learn that certain that product uses that product thing, but other than no, I mean, you'd have to check the numbers the first time. There are other little tests you can do if it if it doesn't say you can like you know does it float in water, does it burn at certain you know a match. You know there'll be certain characteristics that you'll be able to use to determine what it is, but um, but no, the numbers generally the process. Yeah. Maybe they show the lowest melting point, so you just burn them all, and whichever melts first, use that one. But at the point where you're outside with the match trying to set fire to people's plastic, at that point you might get the police called. Oh, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't test it at the time, but let's say, I don't know, let's say milk bottles, that plastic is what you want. Uh, yeah, I could probably fill a black bag in my street if that's what I wanted, and then I could make, uh, I don't know what I could make, I could make a thing. Yes. Whatever that thing is, I can probably make one one a week for free. Yes. So that's pretty cool. I like the idea of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So precious plastics—they're doing a cool thing. The UK is increasing. It's getting bigger. Uh, where is it currently? Very big. You said Iden. Iden. Yeah. Iden. Um, I'll, I'll pull the map up um, for the YouTube. Um, so what, Netherlands, Scandinavian countries, quite big, I assume. Yeah, so obviously, obviously, it, you know, it started in um, Eindhoven, so that's it's orbiting that to some degree. Um, but it is all over the world. Um, quite a bit in France and um, Germany. Um, and then it sort of starts to dissipate the uh, further away basically from Belgium and Netherlands that you go. Yeah, Netherlands is definitely the uh, capital of precious plastics. So there's a, there's a couple mm. of companies that have done some, I think I've mentioned it before, but they've, um, they've created a circular system for it. So uh, there's a company in Amsterdam that make boats out of plastic bottles that they find in the canal. Talked about that's that before. Cool. Yeah. So you can pay money to go and pick up plastic bottles, fish them out of the of the canal as you go around, but there's a bit of fun. Oh look, there's one. See if you can grab it, put it in the boat, and then at the end of the day they take all those bottles, um, melt them down, I guess, and then make a new boat out of it. And then they can then make more money from other people doing the same thing just more regularly. So that's a circular based system that they've generated purely from they've got their own waste resource and they've got a money making uh, revenue and they've got um a way of expanding then, uh, i like i like this i like this and i'm not sure if i like it because i like the idea which i do but i think the fact that it isn't anything in wales gives me more motivation to actually want to do something so the other thing you can do is um there's a there's a disc discord hmm. um so um so that's so that's how I originally found. So it was through speaking to people on Discord. They suggested I created a pin, but someone also contacted me from Discord, 
before I put the pin up. So I don't know if I said, if I misled people to think that the pin was what worked before it didn't, it was the discord chat that did. Um, so, uh, yeah, but you can, there's loads of different groups within the discord for precious plastics. It's free to join as long as you have the software downloaded. Um, and yeah, you can just go and find a group that fits and ask questions and there's people in there answering them every day. So it's, a uh, it's, there's plenty of people doing stuff. There's people, people around. There are people talking in the United Kingdom group, but there's just mm. isn't enough. Okay, yeah, we, we can make a difference here. That sounds pretty good. Oh, I think this we can. Like, this is, it's a nice act. Yeah, good act. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes. More of that acting, please. Yeah, just suppose. On that note, are we good? I think so. How do we end? Um, I can't Thanks remember. Thanks for watching. We do appreciate it. If you are, have. Even if we even if we skip to the end, we still thank you for it. It's kind of you. Um, yeah. And then in, in, until next time, we'll. Uh, yeah. Been, been Ross and Craig. Chatting about precious plastics. And some random think, news. Think. Educate. Act. Yeah, definitely an act. Very good act. Catch you all next time. Bye-bye now. Thank you.